Good morning. There you go. It was me, not you, Kevin. Sorry. Uh, good morning. Happy Fourth of July weekend. Uh, if you're joining with us here, or maybe you're on vacation, laying in bed right now, uh, joining us, we, we're we're glad to have you as well. Philippians chapter four. Philippians chapter four. I want to give you a little bit of a personal context to this. Uh, this sermon this morning. Darren approached me a couple of weeks ago uh, that he was going to be out of town, so I started to think through, okay, we're not in the middle of a series, so what do I want to preach through? What do I want to teach? And last week, I'm sitting here listening to an incredible sermon on worrying, uh, on how to combat worrying as a Christian, and I'm, I'm thinking the whole time, this is great, go to Philippians 4, Darren, go to Philippians 4, Darren, go to Philippians 4, and then I thought, there's way too much to do. I'm going to go to Philippians 4. Um, so that's where we're at this morning, um, and if you know anything about that, uh, we're talking about worrying anxiety this morning, and then uh, this weekend, my family was put into an incredibly difficult situation. Um, so I would appreciate it if you would put my family on your family's prayer list, uh, and that you would pray that I would not have an emotional breakdown up here today, um, because this sermon is now for me, as much as it is for anyone, but I find that pastorally to be a good reminder that we are not professionals, that we are broken people here to encourage broken people. So Philippians chapter 4, let's go there together and the Lord will sustain us. Philippians 4 verse 5, if you would stand with us as we honor the reading of God's word. Philippians 4, we're going to start at the second half of verse 5. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Church, let's pray. Father, as we come this morning, Father, we come to engage you. And through your word, Father, and the truth that it proclaims, God, I'm asking that you would transform our hearts this morning. That you would grow us, that you would educate us, that we would have a bigger picture of who you are, that we would have clarity on how we journey through life when brokenness makes it so hard. And so, Father, I pray that this morning you would encourage your church, 
For those who are here this morning, like me, who are hurting, God, I pray that you would wrap us in your arms and we would feel the love of our Heavenly Father. And for those who are here this morning and they have come out of hurting or they're not hurting right now, God, I pray that you would put weapons in their arsenal so that the storm that's coming in their life, they would be well equipped to journey through for your glory. To journey through worry and anxiety your way, not our way. So God, I pray that you would speak through me. I pray that there would be clarity and I pray that your, your body would be edified and encouraged. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. So last week, Darren journeyed us through Luke chapter 12. And we looked as Jesus told us to not be anxious. And he, and he taught us to not be anxious about what we're going to eat and what we're going to drink. Not to be anxious about our health and to be anxious about our clothing or just general life. Don't be anxious. And today, when we look at the book of Philippians, we see a context of a church that is face-to-face with the, with the opportunity to fall into anxiousness. In chapter 1, we learn that they are actually facing physical opponents, that there are people outside of the church and inside of the church who are their enemies. They're attacking them. They're coming against them. Uh, and then we learn in chapter 4 that they're uh, amongst themselves in the body of believers that there are people who are not agreeing with one another and they are fighting one another. And so there's plenty of things in this church of Philippi that's rising up, that is striving to steal the peace of these believers and to steal the joy of these believers. And today, Paul ends his letter to the church of Philippians by calling them out of a place of worrying and anxiety. That there is a way to journey through difficult situations of worrying about where your next meal is going to come from and worrying about where the money is going to come from in the bank account and worrying about these people who are at odds with you and worrying about all of these things that life throws at you. That there is a way to journey through them in a way that worry and anxiety does not arrest us. He says, do not be anxious. So last week, Darren walked us through what worrying anxiety was, and I want to bring that back to our attention. Maybe you weren't here last week. Uh, maybe you had a week and you're like, I can barely remember the sermon last week. We won't tell Darren that. But uh, I, I want to bring this back to your attention. And I'm going to say the same exact thing uh, that Darren said, but I want to put it on the screen so that we can grab a hold of it, okay? So when we think about worry, and I'm going to do a little bit more teaching than normal this morning. I hope that's okay. When we think about worry and anxiety, I think that there's two real good categories for Christians to think through and you'll see them up here on the screen so the first category uh, that we think through is we think through concern right you know what it means to be concerned Webster defines it as a specific interest or regard 
right? You know what it means to be concerned with something. It's something grabs your attention. You're interested. You're right. It might even be uneasy, but it's just concerned. You're not worried. You're not anxious about it. You're just focused on it. I I need to pay attention to that. It's like a hurricane that's off down in the Bahamas. You don't know where it's going to turn, right? You're not anxious about it yet, but you know what? I'm concerned about that. I'm going to watch that. I'm going to cut that limb down from my over my house just in case. I'm concerned about it, okay? So that's the first category. The second category is what we've been talking about for the past two weeks, which is worry and anxiety, right? Worry and anxiety is a fear-filled response to a situation of concern, Okay, so you think about, uh, you, you think about wor- working through a situation of concern. I don't know about that. I'm going to watch that. Worry and anxiety pop up into our life when we respond to those situations in fear. You tracking with me? Right? Christians are called to be concerned. You are called to have an attention on things in your life, to be wise, to be strategic, to be aware. You're not called to ignorance. We are called to be concerned. But Christians are not called. They're actually called out of worry and anxiety because we are never to move in our life in a place of fear. Jesus says, do not be anxious. Paul says, be anxious for nothing. Last week, we saw in Luke chapter 12 that our response to this worry and anxiety, our response to a fear-based response to a situation of concern is to trust God and to seek his kingdom. And Paul's going to expand what that means this morning by giving us four things that we do. So very practical. We say, okay, Paul, I've got opponents all over me. I don't know where the money's going to come from. My family's falling apart. What do I do? And Paul says, here's four things that you can do. Do not be anxious about anything. The first thing he says is talk to God. Very simple. Talk to God. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. Not just the things that we feel like, okay, I might be able to control this, but I'm not positive. Not the things that we say, oh, this is really difficult, but they're kind of, they're manageable. Right? Not just the things that we want to come, but in everything. Do not be anxious for anything, but in everything. By prayer In supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Christian, our immediate response to a situation of concern is to pray. It's to talk to God. Paul says, pray, talk to God, and, and, and lift up supplication. That's a, really, that's a word we don't really use anymore. But what it means is it means to make an urgent request. So go and pray and make your requests be made known to God. Why is it important that we do this? We as Christians, Orthodox Christians, believe that God is sovereign, that God uh, knows everything. Uh, so why are we telling him our requests? He knows what's happening in my life. His hand is on it. He is working it. 
Why do I need to tell him? Very simply, because we cast our cares upon him and it declares our complete dependence upon him. So here's what Paul's saying. Talk to him, Christian. Are there things that are making your heart flutter? Are there things that are making your blood pressure rise? Are there things that are keeping you up at night because you don't know how they're going to work out? Talk to him. Just talk to him. There's no magic words to say. There's no magic place to be. Talk to him. And tell him what you want. Make your request. Paul says make urgent requests. Go right now, the moment that you need it. He says talk to him. Tell him what you want. This should be simple and obvious, right, Christian? I mean, we come here, we go to community group, and and we've gone to Sunday school since we were born, and and we come here to church, and we listen to the word, and we think, oh yeah, uh, something's going on in my life, and I don't know what's going on, and I'm worried about it. Uh, Let me talk to God. Let me talk to him about it. Let me tell him what I want. That seems so simple and obvious, right? But how often do we do the second thing while skipping the first thing? We make the urgent request, but we don't make it to God. We call our friends. We call our siblings. We talk to our coworkers. We talk to ourselves over and over and over and over and over again. And we make urgent requests. We make supplication, but we do not do it vertically. It's so simple, Christian. It's so simple when the brokenness of this world makes our heart flutter. It makes our blood pressure rise. Talk to God. Go to the one who has the sovereign power to work all of this for your good. Make your request be known to him. But look at the foundation for why we do this. If you'll look at at 5b, the second half of verse 5 where we started reading, is a very odd place to break up a verse. Just remember 5, 6, 7, 8, those those verse breaks are not inspired. Those weren't in the original Greek, okay? So, So this is what he says. The Lord is at hand. Semicolon. Not a separate thought. The Lord is at hand. We look at that as people who long for the return of Christ, and we often think he's coming back. His, his, he, is, he is imminently returning. So I need to make sure that I'm behaving. I need to make sure that I am being sanctified and growing into the image of Christ because the Lord is at hand. That's not what Paul's talking about here. Paul isn't speaking about Christ's return. Paul is speaking about Christ's presence. You'll remember last week, if you were here, about Darren's illustration about having somebody who could just go with you and they could worry for you. Y'all remember that illustration? It was comical, right? That you go somewhere and I don't have to worry here, you worry for me. You remember that illustration? This is what Paul's talking about. Christian, no matter what you go through, Christ 
is immediately present with you. To walk with you, whatever you're walking through. To journey with you, whatever you're journeying through. To care for you. And whatever it is that your physical and emotional needs are, He cares for you. He is immediately present with you. And this is the foundation for us not being anxious, is that Christ is immediately with us. He's working all things according to the counsel of His will, Ephesians says. And Romans tells us that He's working all things for the good of those who love Him or are called according to His purpose. He is immediately with us. He is not far off hearing our prayers. He is right next to us hearing our prayers. So pray. Make supplication. Make your urgent requests be known to God. And the second thing He says is be thankful. Be thankful. Look at verse 6. He says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. What grounds our prayer life, Christians? What grounds ultimately our thought life? It's thankfulness. Now, why is this so important? Because it's critical. It's really at the heart of what Paul is telling us this morning. Why is this so important? Because worry is a focus shifter. Worry is a focus shifter. It takes our eyes off of one thing and puts it on another thing. And how this often works is it takes our eyes off of what God has done to focus on what we believe God hasn't done. And here's the great battle of worrying is that when we're focused on what God hasn't provided, it's impossible to recognize what God has provided. When I was a kid growing up at First Baptist of Jacksonville, uh, my pastor, Dr. Homer Lindsay Jr., uh, every so often he would send us home by challenging the congregation to go home and make a thankfulness list. Maybe some of you may have heard of this. It was pretty, got kind of grained some ground in the convention. Uh, but he every so often would say, okay, I want you all to go home and I want you to list a hundred things that you're thankful for. Okay, as a young kid, that seemed like it was going to take all day. And so I would go home and I'm just like, please, mom, don't remember. Please, mom, don't listen. Please, mom, don't make us do this. And we walk in and I'd run over to the Nintendo. BJ, you need to go make your thankfulness list. Ugh. And I'd go and I'd make the list. And my pea-sized brain at that point could get to like 18, 19, 20, I've listed my Nintendo, I've listed all the games, I've listed the dog, right? And I'd walk out and I'm like, Mom, this is what I've got. No, BJ, you need to go back and you need to write down a hundred things that you're thankful for. And I'd struggle through it and I'd struggle through it and I'd struggle through it, but I'd always get there because I didn't want to be locked in my room until Friday. <laughs> but I'd work through. I believe that he challenged us to do that. Because he knew that naturally, we would all default to forgetfulness. We would all default to forgetting what God has done in our lives. And that thankfulness would put the focus back on what God has done in our lives. 
I'd encourage you, by the way, kids, I'm sorry, uh, they don't even know they're in kids' worship. Uh, I'd encourage you to do that today. I'd encourage you to go home and to write down a hundred things that you're thankful for. Challenge your family to do that. Challenge your kids to do that. And see how attitudes change. See how focus changes. Because here's a great principle for you to remember, Christian. Thankfulness leaks. It leaks like water out of the Titanic. Contentment disappears like the wind. You try and catch it and it's gone. If you're not focused on it, it's out of here. But through thankfulness, we chase contentment. And in contentment, worry is destroyed. So pray. Make your requests be known to God. Be thankful. The third thing he says, hone your focus. Hone your focus. Look at verse 8. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Let's be honest for a second. In our times of worry and anxiousness, we tend to not focus on those things. We tend to focus on the faults, the dishonorable, the unjust, the impure, the unlovable, the problems, the failures, the worrisomeness. We focus on everything except for what was just listed to us. But Christians are called to a different thought life. Paul is telling us if we want to overcome worry and anxiety God's way, then our minds, how we think, how we process things is critically important. As Christians, we don't focus on the faults, we focus on the true. We don't latch on to the dishonorable, we highlight what is honorable. We don't bemoan what is unjust, we praise what is just. We don't fixate on what is unlovable, we find what is lovable. And we don't stare at failures, we find the excellent and worthiness to be praised in things. Worry and thankfulness are like oil and water. They're like fire and water. They cannot go together. They are incompatible. So when we hone our focus on what God is doing, worriness evaporates. Christian, we are called to a supernatural way of thinking. A supernatural way of processing that doesn't focus on what the world focuses on. When things start to crumble, the sky's falling. But for a Christian, the sky is never falling. We focus on what God calls us to focus on, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. And if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, church, Think about these things. So Paul says, when everything in you wants to worry, everything in you is anxious, combat that through prayer. Make your requests be known to God and be thankful. Be grounded in thankfulness and hone your focus. And then the fourth thing is practice what you have received. Practice what you have received. Look at verse 9. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. 
Right? This is the same way Jesus ended his lesson last week. Remember, seek his kingdom and all of these things will be added unto you. Right? We've seen this already in a previous point, but worry is a focus shifter. Right? It takes your eyes off of one thing and puts them onto another. And this is why Paul is so adamant about doing these things in the face of worry and anxiety. Because the kryptonite for Christians is that we often we are so overcome by worry. We are so overcome by anxiety in these situations of concern that we just go into survival mode. Right? It's okay to admit that. I feel like I've been there all weekend. Right? It's okay to admit that, but we, our eyes shift and we go into survival mode. What do I need to do? How do I need to act? What can I take care of? Where can I put the duct tape? We just do anything to get through. And Paul ends his four do this in the face of worry by encouraging us that even in the face of worry, even in the face of anxiety, continue to live a Christ-like life. He says, what you have learned... What you have learned in community group. What you've learned from this pulpit. What you've learned from Bible studies. What you've received. What you've heard. What you've seen. Practice these things. Christian, do not begin serving your worries. Continue serving the Lord. Don't begin worshiping your fears. Live your life as an act of worship to the one true God. If we allow it, worry will shift our focus from Christ to our fears. And Paul says to combat this, to not allow that shift from Christ to our fears, from Christ to our worries, from Christ to our anxieties. To combat that, pray. Focus on what God has already done in thankfulness. Focus on what God is doing right now by honing your focus. And pursue Christ with every inch of your life. Now, as we descend, I want to encourage you by by looking at what, what will be the result of this. If you approach worry and anxiety God's way, what will happen in your life? Paul tells us this, verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do you hear that? The peace of God. The most difficult situations in your life, the moments that crush you, The moments that people feel like they cannot survive, those can be experienced peacefully. That either has to be true or the Bible's a liar. Every situation in your life, no matter what it is, you can can experience it peacefully. No one will understand. We will seem like we don't care because we're going through almost aloof to the situation. But it's not that we don't care. It's that there's a peace grounding us because we know who's in control. There's a peace. There's a calming. There's a ballast at the bottom of our boat that keeps our boat from tipping over. How can you look that calm? 
How are you still going through this? How are you surviving? Why do you seem so happy amidst so much sadness? Why? How? Why? It's the peace that only comes from God. And this peace is even more mind-blowing when you think about how it works. Right? He says that it guards your hearts and your minds. This is actually military language. And, and, and it's a word that's used commonly to talk about taking someone into protective custody. Okay, so think about this, Christian. You live, when you become a Christian and you live the way that God directs you to in the face of worry and anxiety, and Jesus takes your peace, he takes your spirit into protective custody. He takes that inside of you that feels like it's chaotic, and he takes it, and he takes it into 24-7 protective custody, fending off all of your enemies so that you are protected. Doesn't mean it's going to go away. Doesn't mean that it's going to turn out the way that you want it to. But your spirit is protected. He's at hand. He is guarding your heart. He is guarding your mind 24-7. So don't be shocked, Christian, when your world seems to turn upside down by the circumstances around you. And your world doesn't blow up. You're able to keep going. And people don't understand how. Don't be shocked. It is the Spirit of God protecting you. It is the Spirit of God guarding your heart and your mind. But also look at verse 9. He says, and the God of peace will be with you. If you continue to journey through worry and anxiety God's way, not only will you have the peace of God, but you will have the God of peace. God doesn't give you His peace from afar. He gives it to you right here. He gives you His presence. So that even if you're journeying through this alone, you're not. Because the God of peace is with you. He manifests His presence in your life intentionally inside of the situations that you're in. And He draws near to you in those moments to comfort you, to defend you, and to bring peace. As we close, I want to look at what this looked like in Paul's life. Because Paul now gives us somewhat of a personal illustration through story. Look at verse 10 through 13 and chew these words. Chew these words, digest them. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Start to listen here. This is where it really ramps up. Not that I am speaking of being in need. For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. I know how my bank account can become low and I know how to deal with it when it abounds. I know when my joy is brought low and I know when it abounds. I know when my family is brought low and when it abounds in any and every circumstance. 
any and every circumstance, Christian, any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and facing hunger, of facing abundance and facing need. And here's the kicker. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. You thought this was a verse about scoring touchdowns. It's not. It's a verse about going through the most difficult moments of your life. It's a verse that is there as a balm to your soul at 2 o'clock in the morning when you can't sleep. It's a verse, it's a balm to your soul when you feel like life is being ripped away from you. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Anything that comes my way, anything that comes your way, Christian, death, loss, a depleted bank account, dashed hopes, lost dreams, I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. And listen to this. It's not God doing it. Listen to what Paul says. He says, I can do all things. Right? We tend to over-spiritualize these moments and we're like, oh God, just do it through me. No, he calls you to do it. He calls me to do it. He calls us to walk through the valley of the shadow of death and on the other side to say, he strengthened me. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. When we do things God's way, Christian, we receive God's strength to live for Him. And notice this in closing. Verse 12. He says, I have learned. He says, I have learned. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I have learned. Chew that for a second. I have learned. Responding to life with peace and contentment rather than worry and anxiety is something that you learn. It's not something that's just given to you. It's something that you journey through. It's something that you learn little by little by little by little by little. It's something that in the moments when you're not in the situation and you're intaking the word and you're hearing the word proclaimed and you're living in community and you're taking in Bible studies that you're, 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 you're putting that nutrition inside of you so that you learn and when you go back into those situations when God, when God puts you into these, this journey you go back and you say okay, here it is. It's go time. God Help me. This is what I want. This is what I need. This is what I'm facing. But I'm so thankful for what you've given me. And I'm focusing on what you're doing. I trust and believe that I can do all things. But I need you to strengthen me to do all things. But I want it, God. I want to do this your way. I don't want to do this my way. I don't want to chaotically be crushed. I want to approach worry and anxiety your way and to receive your strength and to abound in your peace. Christian, the way to face worry and anxiety, God's way, is to pray and make your requests known to Him. 
Focus on what he's already done in thankfulness. Focus on what he is doing by honing your focus. And pursue Christ with every inch of your life. And in this way of living, we learn a supernatural way of living. We learn a supernatural way of journeying through the most difficult times of our lives. We learn a a supernatural way of approaching worry and approaching anxiety. Now, you, you may be here and you're thinking, BJ, I'm not, even, I'm not a Christian or this is so foreign to me. I, I don't even know. Hey, and listen, here's what I want to tell you, that, that we're just broken people. You, you look around and you look at this church, no one's perfect here. That we are people who have, uh, who have sorrows, we have faced grief, and uh, we struggle. And, and, and you, if you're broken, you're in a good place. But we know the one who puts people back together. And we know the one who, who journeys through difficult times with you. And, and, and what I want to say to you is that Jesus is the answer to all of your questions. All your what's, all your why's, all your how's. It's Jesus. And, and at the end of this service, right here at the cross, there's going to be a pastor here. And we want to journey through that with you. Christian, uh, church member, maybe you're here and you're thinking, BJ, uh, you had to preach the sermon, but I've been crying in the back the whole time. Uh, we don't want you to journey through that alone. We... we You may need just a conversation. You may need counseling. We have people here at the church who do that. If that's you and you're just hurting, come see that pastor at the cross. And and there's going to be counselors there to talk with you. And and we can set up if it's really complex and it needs to expand. We can walk with you through that. We do not want you to journey through this alone. Don't get in your car and go with this alone. You were never meant to. So wherever you are, Wherever you are, if if you're here and and you're kind of in a good stage of life, praise the Lord. But I can promise you one thing. A storm is coming. And don't depend on your own strength because you can't do all things. But you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. So if that's you, as we sing in response this morning, pour out your heart to God. Pour out your heart in thankfulness to him. Pour out your heart in focusing on what he's doing in your life. And if there's requests that you need to make known to him, Christian, make those requests known to God. Let's pray. Father, God, words are so easy in these moments and so easy in these messages and so easy in these journey, but, but God, the real life of journeying through it is so hard. And so as, as Christians, God, I pray that we would be people, followers of your son, but people who aren't ruled by what we feel, but we're ruled by what we know. And we know that you're good, and we know that you're just, and we know that you're kind, and we know that your ways are higher than our ways, and we know that you are at our hand, that you are with us, and that you strengthen us, and you give us peace And so, God, I am praying for abounding presence in our life, that we would feel and sense your immediate presence in our life, and that we would trust you, and that we would seek your kingdom, and that our lives would be poured out as drink offerings for you. God, guard our hearts in protective custody. Don't let our hearts slip. Don't let our minds slip to buying into the lies that you don't love us and that you aren't good and that you aren't just. Because we know that to be true even though we don't feel it. God, we love you. 
There are so many religions in this world that claim that their God is with them in the mountain, but where is he in the valley? And we know that you are with us in the valley. And we give you praise for that. Tune our hearts, God, to sing your praise in this moment. In Christ's name, amen.